I'd like to invite us to just take a few moments to be quiet, to close your eyes, to bow your head and your hearts before Jesus, to drink of this living water, to lay down everything that's already happened this morning, all of those things that need to happen this afternoon, and just let the living waters of Jesus quench your thirst. And we thank you, Jesus, that this water is always available to us. And so we thank you that you provide living water, that you are the living water. And so I give you this time, Lord, I pray for each one of us here that we will soak deeply into all that you are and who you are. In your precious name we pray, amen. Well, it's a great privilege for me to be here with you today, and I uh, commented to uh, Jessica that I regret, although there's not much distance between this side of the street and uh, mine, we don't often make our ways to either side. In fact, I've seen uh, Dr. Tennant in the last two weeks, but neither occasion was on this campus, and so we happened to cross paths, seems more often than here, but this is a beautiful place, it's a wonderful place, and uh, just enjoy being neighbors with you and being joint laborers for the kingdom uh, together here. And so I do want to just take a moment of privilege in thanking you for your friendship, thank you for your service, thank you for your faithfulness, thank you for the influence and impact that you are making and that you seek to impact others over the years ahead. And so it is a great joy for me to be a part of this community. And uh, we'll say to, of course, there are seasons in our lives, and 12 years ago, I was not seeking this particular season, and so I have prayed over time, asking the Lord, now, make it as clear on the back end as you did on the front end uh, when it's time to step out. And so he started stirring in my heart about a year ago, actually, that uh, the season was, this particular season was coming to an end, and so I have stepped into it obediently and the greatest gift I could give anyone, uh, humanly, and the greatest gift I can give to the Lord Jesus is obedience. And so it's with mixed emotions that I will step out of this role. But the good news for uh, Ken, my husband and me, the good news for us is we're Kentuckians. We live where we lived prior to 12 years ago. We're not going anyplace. And so I will find my way back in this sanctuary and in Hughes Auditorium, and we will still be available in the community. So thank you for your, uh, for your wonderful friendship to us and your ongoing works. And I bring greetings from across the street from Asbury University. Two weeks ago, I was traveling, as I do often these days, and I was uh, in a hotel room, uh, soon to be leaving to go to my next appointment, and I got a phone call on my cell phone, and it's a call that a person that I will hear from every four, four to six months, a dear man, a retired Methodist pastor, 91 years old, 
He is an alumnus of both the university and of the seminary. So he's your alum as well. And I love it when he calls. I recognize his voice immediately. And he will usually call and ask how I'm doing. He will ask how Ken's doing, how's the university. But this time it was, Dr. Gray, do the students on your campus have a prayer life? It's like, how do you answer that in, in two minutes? I said, well, we certainly want them to. That's our prayer. That's our desire. He said, we just have to know they have a prayer life. He said, I've been praying all morning, and that's my passion. I want our students to have a prayer life. And I said, well, we do too. And we do all that we can to prepare the way to cultivate the soil and to encourage them. But, you know, ultimately the prayer life depends upon our own relationship with Jesus. And so we point to him as much as we can. But I uh, was... Just, just really lived into that and thought about that for several days. So what does it mean to have a prayer life? We talk about prayer. We read about prayer. There are wonderful books on prayer. We pray. We pray here in this gathering. We pray privately. We pray around the dinner table. We find ourselves in prayer meetings. But that does not necessarily mean that we have a prayer life. And so... I want to just open up a bit of my own personal prayer life. I've got a long way to go, but I love being in prayer with the Lord, and I, I do long for my life to reflect this life of prayer. And so my purpose today is to encourage each one of us to deepen our prayer life. And that's not just to say to pray. Yes, we do pray, and we want to do that, but to have a prayer life so that our dear alum from both sides of the street can uh, know that we are deepening our prayer life. So that's my encouragement and what I want to speak with us about today. Now, you've heard the scripture read in Romans, Romans 12. It's one that many years ago I quoted to mem uh, committed to memory. I'm not sure I could quote it today, but I did at one time. Uh, I love this because it, it talks to us about how to live according to uh, the model of Jesus. And so we look at this and read, let love be genuine, brotherly love it's speaking of, sisterly love, hate what is evil, love one another with mutual affection. Here's a good one, outdo one another in showing honor. Rejoice in hope. Here's another difficult one often. Be patient in suffering. And then here are these three little words tucked in. Persevere in prayer. Other, uh, another translation would say be devoted to prayer. And I love that translation. Be devoted to prayer. It's a, this sort of a pressing on. Being devoted to prayer. So we have these compelling commandments to rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, extend hospitality to strangers, bless those who persecute you, rejoice with those who rejoice, to live in harmony with one another. In another place it said, and as much as it lives within our ability to do, to live at peace with one another. And so here are these really hard challenges in our day-to-day -day life, and yet these three little words, persevere in prayer. And so I believe that uh, the Holy Spirit has uh, designed these words in Scripture 
to let us know this is how you do this. Otherwise, blessing those that persecute us, being patient in suffering, living at peace with all people really is not possible in our humanness, but it is possible through him. Persevere in prayer. <clears throat> now, prayer is not the same for everyone, what that looks like. And so our prayer life, as we develop a prayer life with the triune God, it's going to look a bit different. But for all of us, the cross is the foundation for prayer. It is the cross, that place to which we find ourselves on our knees. And it's the only place in which we can begin to try to find answers as to why we pray, what's the purpose, or how do we pray. We can only find that at the place of prayer. And that's the reason we pray in Jesus' name. Prayer is a difficult topic. It's a difficult one for me this morning because my prayer journey, my prayer life began about 30 years ago. And so it's kind of like someone asked me a couple of weeks ago, I was interviewed, and so the question was, so what's it like to be president of Asbury University? And my first thought, I didn't say this, but my first thought was, well, how much time do you have? Or at what day of the week or what moment of the day might I respond to what it's like to being president? But it's the same way in prayer. Uh, prayer is an unfolding that comes depending upon where we are at that particular moment and how Jesus is responding in our lives. But I want to give just a few points about prayer that flow from my own personal experience. And so I ask your forgiveness for the personal nature of this message, but there really is no other way to speak about prayer for me other than making it very personal. He is my beloved and I am his. And so it's out of that that my prayer life unfolds. And in this Lenten season, and I commend you for taking the time over these weeks during Lent to uh, focus on prayer. I love the Lenten season. And for us in the Christian church, as we look at our Christian calendar and these 40 days of Lent, it often means for us something less, the giving up of. Probably every one of us have given up food or desserts or chocolate or whatever those things might be that are real sacrifices for us. And so we think of Lent often about giving up, about there being something less. But the old English word of Lent, the, of Lenten, means lingering. And I like that word, the lingering. And it gives a bit of a different perspective. It, a lingering, a lengthening. Lengthening may mean reflection. It might mean listening. It may mean waiting. The classic scholar Darcy Weir said in A Way of Seeing, all of us possess the ability to pay close attention to what's before our eyes, to be patient, as we behold an object or scene, to linger on it long enough, tenderly and attentively enough, for it to begin to reveal its own unique nature. I like this way of thinking about Lent, of lengthening, of lingering, of this point of time in lingering over a word, a thought, an object, a scene, an experience. And to linger on it long enough to appreciate and experience the tenderness, 
and for it to begin to reveal its own unique nature. So it was on a cold January day three decades ago that I boarded a flight headed to Sanibel Island in Florida. <clears throat> Ken and I had planned this getaway for months. The very last minute due to a serious work, what we perceived as a crisis for in his, in his work, he had to make a last minute change of plans. Since our flights, our rental car, the condo were already paid for, we made the decision that I would go ahead and he would join me when he could. Now, it was very disappointing, of course, and so when I made my way there and made my way into the little condo on the beach where we were going to have our respite, the first thing I did was to be seated on the sofa. And I was sorrowful for Ken because he needed this respite more than I did I, I, at that time. And yet I also felt sorry for myself. It's like, what am I doing here by myself? And so it was a difficult moment for me. And I had been a Christian for just a few years at that time. Now, I grew up in a Christian home, but I had become the prodigal, and I was a, a prodigal for a number of years, and I had just come back to the Lord. And Ken had just accepted Christ for the very first time in his life, and so we were young Christians and was just trying to find my way through what this means. But as I sat down that day, I heard the Lord speaking within my spirit, and at that time I did not know it was the Holy Spirit. But I heard the Lord saying to me, you are not alone, the great I am is with you, and you will be glad you've come. And so as I began putting things away to settle in, and I had my Bible with me, I was reading my Bible faithfully uh, in those uh, days then as uh, just rededicating my life to the Lord. And so I sat down again with my Bible and the Lord drew me to Isaiah. I've never, had never studied Isaiah. I didn't even remember studying it in Sunday school, but I went to the book of Isaiah and started reading. And so I would read for a while and then I made my way out on the beach and would walk and alternately for three days I read through the book of Isaiah, and I walked and I prayed. And during those three days, the Holy Spirit came to me. And you can use whatever word you want. In our Wesleyan holiness, we would say, I was sanctified. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and received the baptism of love. I mean, we need to break that down. When the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes, or his, his second work of grace in our lives, sanctification, the baptism of love, of peace, of forgiveness, of joy comes. And so I experienced that. And so I began walking. And those of you that know me very well know that I'm not often absent words to speak. But for three days, I spoke to no one other than the Lord. I walked that beach and I prayed God's prayers through Isaiah, prayed the scripture back uh, to him. And so we spent that time truly uh, getting to know each other in a new way, a real surrender on my part. And 
I will say that in four days, Ken made his way, and so we had a great week together. He probably found a new person when he arrived, but we had a wonderful week together, but then we came home. Then we returned home, and so the work that we left behind was still on our desk. The problems, the challenges, the family issues, the heaviness, the normal day-to-day -day activities and routines were still there. In other words, circumstances had not changed, but I had changed. And so what a prayer life will do, and I'm living into this and continuing to ask the Lord to grow me and shape me and teach me new things each day. But prayer is not about changing God, it's about changing us. And it's not even about changing circumstances. But you know, even though the circumstances did not change, the way I perceived them had also been transformed. The overwhelmingness of circumstances are transformed. It's the recognizing that, that I can do nothing in and of myself, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This unique kind of tension, and I live in this every day, and I know you all do too. I wake up and say, God, I can't do this in the next month, but I can do all things through you. And so... Our place of victory really comes on our knees. Victory wasn't at the beach. It really was on my knees, bowing for those days. And he knew that it was going to take me three days to get emptied of myself, and I have to keep going back to that place. But what, when I came home, recognizing that in a sense everything's the same, but in a very real sense, nothing was the same, and so I prayed the next day after I came back, so Lord, how do I live in to what I've just experienced for these past three days? Those three days when I was first there alone, how do I live into that? And so that's when he began teaching me, you know, what, what happened is because you were kneeling in your heart and in your spirit before me. That's where the victory is. That's where you will find victory when you are kneeling, whether it is a literal kneeling on our knees, which sometimes we need to do, or whether it was uh, just a symbolic. And so he taught me during those days that he's not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of conditions. And so he started working on the conditions of my heart to, uh, to help me to understand that being judgmental and critical and not walking in love toward others is not his way. He taught me to be honest and confessional before him. But more importantly, he taught me to listen. It was at that point that I learned to linger and to wait and to reflect. And he taught me how to get to Jesus. And that is very important for us. This past, uh, during Christmas, my, our family, extended family, went away. There were probably 15 of us, my brother and sister-in-law. And, and I had a great niece that was there, a little 12-month-old. So we would all gather, and she was just learning to walk real good, and, and walking for her meant trying to run. And so every two minutes, she'd tumble. And watching her, <clears throat> little Evan, Evelyn would pop up, and she would immediately span this whole crowd of the family looking for mommy, looking for daddy. It didn't matter who else was around. She knew how to get to that one that she wanted to get to, to comfort her. And so I thought, Lord Jesus, we do learn so much 
uh, from children, but for us to know how to get to Jesus, my question to you today, do you know how to get to Jesus? And it's to find that place on your knees, literally or figuratively, to find that place where you can get quiet and linger and wait. So he taught me how to get to him. Know how to get to him and abide in him. How to lay down those things that we need to lay down. Prayer provides for victory. Truly is where we triumph. And so I would encourage us to find our place in victory today with him. I would encourage us to be people that are victorious. You know, there's nothing more discouraging than a, a sad, sour Christian you may not see any on this side of the street. Occasionally we see them out someplace. And we are to be victorious Christians because God has already, Jesus has already paid the price for us to be victorious. And so I want to encourage you to live triumphantly, victoriously. Yes, we have difficult circumstances, but God is bigger. Do not be caught speaking, this will never change, or I've given up hope. You know, I said that once to the, to the Lord, and the Holy Spirit said, if you're going to give up on this, then that means you've given up on me. And I said, well, Lord, I'm not ready to give up on you yet. And he said, then you cannot give up on this circumstance. And so we do not give up. We are people of hope and to persevere at that place of prayer. We need God's grace for today. I'm sensitive to my time, so let me hurry to conclusion. Yesterday's grace is insufficient. I began with just trying to give a glimpse of my prayer life over these 30 years, but if all I could do would be to come to you and say, you know what happened to me 30 years ago? What you, what you need to know is what I could say to you today about Jesus' grace and his power and his love and his work and his speaking in my heart today. And so we can't rely on yesterday's grace. We need to have his speaking within us, knowing that he's at work today. And this can only happen if we return to that place of living water, as the choir sang so beautifully. The grace you had yesterday will not be sufficient for today. It's the now, his being with us now. And so I want to ask you three questions in closing that you can ponder upon. During this Lenten season... Are you lingering at the cross? And if you are lingering at the cross, what is he saying to you? Are you listening long enough to be able to hear from him, to hear a fresh word? I need a fresh word every day. And I would ask you a third question. Have you appropriated everything that Jesus made available to you and to me at the cross? And I would say the answer to that is no for all of us, but I want to appropriate more today than I did yesterday. Have we appropriated all that he has for us? We have just barely broken the crust of the bread of what he wants to do in our hearts, and it's through that place of prayer where it happens. And so my closing words uh, from lyrics of a song, lead me to the cross where your love poured out. Bring me to my knees. Lord, I lay me down. Rid me of myself. 
I belong to you. Lead me, lead me to the cross. And so may God be very real to you in this Lenten season. I pray that uh, you will continue to develop your own prayer life, not just to be praying and learning about it, but to have a prayer life where he's at the center and you're drinking in from the richness that he has available to you each day. So God bless you and keep you. Thank you.